Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. Joining me is co-host and fellow lifelong Houston sports junkie, Stephen Kerr. And despite the rumors, you weren't in quarantine the last two weeks, right? No, I was not in quarantine. I was taking part in a virtual convention. Uh, had a lot of work assignments. So, no, uh, thankfully, I have not gone into quarantine yet. I, I am trying to lay low, though. I, I, you know, I'm just trying to be smart about everything, giving contact with as few people as possible, just to, just really to be safe. So, uh, no, every, everything's fine for now. Yeah, I hope our listeners are fine out there as well because uh, it's crazy in Houston right now, for sure. Some major stories both with the Astros and the Rockets um, on who has and who doesn't have COVID. Stephen, the major Rockets story, Russell Westbrook definitely has the virus. He said so. You got to assume James Harden does too since he ha- still hasn't shown up in Orlando. No explanation, and it's kind of concerning when your two best players uh, aren't ready to go yet, and we're, what, two, two and a half weeks away. I just knew something weird was up when the plane took off on Thursday for Orlando, and neither player was on it. And just, you know, the way things have been going lately, Robert, unfortunately, it almost has to be your first thought is, well, do they have COVID, and they're just not saying anything? Because why would your two superstars – not be on the plane with the team when they leave for the bubble. And and even several days after that, you know, we, we went through the weekend and still no Harden, no Westbrook. And and now, you know, we find out that one of the, the Rockets' newest players is back in quarantine for violating the bubble rules. Yeah, Caboclo, which I, I don't know if that's the, the biggest concern for me. Let, let, let me just, I want to talk a little bit about Harden for a second because, you know, nothing's come out. I, I don't know how this could be a big secret at this point that why would James just wouldn't say something because we all know why he wouldn't be there. The other thing about James Harden getting the virus is, look, James, he's got a little bit of a reputation of maybe needing to socialize and do things like that. And this is where you can't be like that, you know, and, and I don't know what happened. And, you know, people that have been very careful have gotten it. But with James and Russell Westbrook, if you're just talking about uh, what this means to the team, they, they they were in incredible shape, supposedly, coming into this. They, you saw them working out. They, they seemed to be ready. James maybe in the best shape of his life. But you, you want to get that chemistry down. And, you know, what are they doing when they're in quarantine? Is it is it bad? According to Russell Westbrook, he's doing fine. So uh, you, you hope they're still able to... Uh, do things and it's not it, the more serious cases that we've seen. I mean, my, you know, it's like my uncle just had it and, and he basically had fever for two weeks and it was, it was not fun, but you know, luckily he didn't go to the hospital and he's out of it now. But uh, that's the concern is like, h- how bad are the cases? It's not whether you have it or not. Cause the variation is, it's, it's such a big spectrum, Steven. Well, it is, Robert, and there there is so much of the unknown out there, and everyone is different. We could be young and healthy and, and still get it and it be serious, or you could be older and get it and fight through it and survive. For me, anyway, that's the biggest fear is that we just don't know. And why do you want to take a chance? And and the other thing, you know, when you're t- whether you're talking about Westbrook or Harden or any athlete, if if you're having trouble with just the normal population of people who are not athletes or who are not high profile figures, 
if they're having trouble following the guidelines or, or just not willing to, how do we really expect professional athletes and, and even college athletes to do the same thing? That that's really that that's one of the other things that I've been struggling with lately is, you know, we're we're expecting athletes, especially high profile people who are used to going out, having a great time, being with people. You know, we're we're expecting them to stay in their bubble, you know, in their in their room there at Disney World or wherever they are, when they're not practicing, when when they're not playing, and just never coming out. And I think we're finding that that's just not what's happening. This whole deal also shows you how things can totally change on how you perceive a team. The Rockets, you know, they, they become the fifth favorite team in the NBA in Vegas. And, and the Rockets were starting to get buzz as maybe a team to watch out for for this whole restart. But now, who knows? Because you got to get these guys up to speed. you got to put the team together. Maybe, maybe it doesn't matter. I, I don't know, Stephen. I, I don't know... If the, if they come if they come in and obviously there's time you know the quarantine it should be over with and you would think if they're in quarantine right now that they would be ready to go in two and a half weeks when the season starts back up again but you would want the Rockets to be going in in full strength I mean there's going to be all these variables as to who who can be the favorite and, and and who can't right well that's right and the other thing to consider is we don't know what's going to change. From day to day. I mean, you and I are recording this on Tuesday morning. I mean, you could post this and by late this afternoon or tomorrow or the next day or the day after that or next week, somebody else, whether it's the Rockets or one of the other teams, a major star could come down with this. There, There is just so much influx right now, Robert, with the season. There's no way you can predict where a team is going to finish because you don't know from day to day who's going to come down with this thing. That That's really the, the, the crazy thing about it. Talk about putting an asterisk by a season, I think at this point, you'd almost have to say that even if they do finish the 2019-20 season, who knows how it's going to go and who's going to be out and, and who's going to come back. And the other thing with you know, Westbrook and, and Harden, if he does indeed have it, yeah, there's time for them to come back, but then again, there isn't. I mean, how much shape are they going to be in when they do get back? The season is shortened. So they don't have as much time to get themselves back in game shape. And every game is going to count for something even more than what it would if we had a regular season. It's too bad this happened to the Rockets since the Lakers now have some major depth issues at the point guard position. Avery Bradley, he's opted out. Rondo just broke his thumb. He's out six to eight weeks, uh, which is huge, obviously. And then Alex Caruso, that's the guy now. So if you're the Rockets with you know, Westbrook and Harden, this was the time you could take advantage of it and not saying they can't and not saying, like we said, not saying it, it, it still all might be there because, you know, those guys could be back and a hundred percent ready to go on July 31st. But boy, if the Lakers are in trouble, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it, this is, it's going to be like day to day, really, isn't it, Stephen? Like, okay, well, this guy's out because of COVID. So this changes this entire team. And, you know, it's, 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 it's nuts. Well, it is nuts, and and that's right. Now, the other way to look at it too, Robert, is that because of the unknown, who's to say? I mean, I would like to think that uh, if someone does get an opportunity to step up, that that maybe some players you wouldn't expect might step up. And so, I, I just think that d despite, I mean, we it's easy for us to sit here and, and play gloom and doom when you're talking about stars being out or things of that nature, but it could be an opportunity for someone else to step up. And when you're talking about the Lakers and their depth issues and other teams that 
have had uh, players test positive. I, I just think it's as much of a wide open season for any team, including the Rockets, as anybody else. Because as you said, we're not going to know from day to day who's going to come down with this thing, who's going to come back. So to, to try to look even a week down the road is, is, is probably just not even realistic at this point. Ben McLemore, I don't know if you saw this, Steve. But, I mean, he posted this video with hotel food in Orlando. I wasn't thrilled with it. Why are they putting Skittles, Doritos, and chocolate pretzels in an NBA player's room? Is this what you want finely tuned athletes eating? I don't know if I want my kids eating that garbage. Yeah, what is what is the deal with that? I know this is Disney World, but these aren't kids going to Disney World. These are players. You know, they, it's like they forgot that, oh, wait, we have professional athletes here, not, you know, families with kids who want to see Mickey Mouse. And so, yeah, the, the Skittles, the, the pretzels and the chocolate and all that. Maybe somebody forgot that it's not kids that are going to Disney World. It's uh, NBA players. All right, let's get to the Astros because this is a mixed bag of good and bad on Monday, the, the news coming out, most of it bad. The good news, though, Josh James was missing time because he was waiting on the birth of his child, so not the virus. Uh, now he should be able to avail available to start the season. The bad news is, like we suspected, Jose Arquiti and Jordan Alvarez, the start of their season is going to be delayed. 10-day injured list because they've got the virus, Stephen. It's, it's, not, it's not good. It's not a good way to start. No, it's not a good way to start. Um, you know, you look at the, the situation with Jordan Alvarez, you know, there goes your DH here for a while. So, you know, now the question becomes, does Dusty Baker do what A.J. Hinch did and, and kind of rotate his regular players like Springer and Brantley? I mean, that, you know, that that's certainly a, a big possibility. Maybe Kyle Tucker can jump in there. Although I'd like to see more consistency out of him offensively. But... You know, that that's the question. Now who's going to be your DH? You know, in regard to Jose Urquidy, well, obviously it's a big loss. But you do have other players that, that have the opportunity to step up. You know, maybe somebody like a, a, a Christian Javier, a Brandon Belak. I'd like to say Framber Valdez, but, you know, going on past history, you just can't say you have a lot of confidence in him. But at this point, Robert, you just have to put everybody in the mix because just like the Rockets, this thing can change from day to day. And there's there's as much unknown in the baseball season trying to restart as there is the NBA season. Don't forget about Austin Pruitt for our. Hey, that's right. Austin Pruitt is in the is in the mix. Yeah, they did get him during the off season, so he he certainly would be a major consideration to uh, to be in that lower part of the rotation. We all love Jordan Alvarez, but Arquiti's the bigger one because pitching, you know, it's going to be tougher to replace that this rotation. Uh, not just the rotation, uh, just the entire pitching staff is, is just not as deep as it has been in, in the last couple of seasons. But, I mean, if you're the Astros, if you look at the Jordan Alvarez situation, you mentioned it. Kyle Tucker was going to be fighting, trying to get some playing time. So you've got Kyle Tucker that can, that can step in there. And like you said, I, I think it's going to be one of those things where you can stick certain guys in the DH spot and just to the to way to rest him. And, and you have somebody like a Michael Brantley who's older and, and this is the perfect time to, you know, maybe find some room for him, George Springer, who's got an injury history. So you, and you have miles straw, you've got another outfielder that can, that can play there. So you, you've got some different things that you can use. And, and Kyle Tucker really, he's not in the exactly a starter or, you know, a regular guy. So it's a perfect time for, for Kyle Tucker to make a splash. 
Yeah, this is definitely a perfect time, uh, especially, you know, even if Alvarez does come back, I, I think you're going to see more of Tucker perhaps playing, you know, when Josh Reddick doesn't play. So that's something to consider. And getting back to the rotation, uh, they, you know, there's no guarantee that even the top of the rotation is going to be outstanding. I mean, you 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 do at least have the, the factor that you know, no pitcher is going to be pitching 200 innings this year. So the shortened season does help pitchers like Justin Verlander, Zach Grinke, uh, Lance McCullers Jr., especially because he's coming off Tommy John surgery. But you have to really hope that, that Verlander can stay healthy, you know, coming back, not, not even just about COVID, but coming back from the injuries that he's had. Grinky, you know, showed some inconsistencies last year. You weren't really sure from one start to the next how much he was going to give you. And, of course, the big question mark with Lance McCullers Jr., all indications are that he's coming back very well, but he hasn't been in a game situation. So there's no guarantee that even the top of the Astros rotation is going to be solid. You just have to hope it is, especially when you're talking about the depth that you have now lost with uh, Urquidy being out. Let's talk about the number one guy, the chief surgeon himself, Justin Verlander, because it's a great story by Chandler Rome this week. uh, JV said he had to totally rebuild his delivery because it was putting strain on his groin. According to the Chandler Rome story, he poured over the video and screenshots from last year, and it showed that he was extremely high, vertical, and arched during his delivery. He once released his pitches at six feet and five inches. Last year, they were released at seven feet, two inches. He said, quote, I can't have mechanics that put too much strain on my body in certain positions and last as long as I would like to last. That's just kind of where it started. It started with not being so arched and upright. Verlander went on to say, I changed a lot of stuff that some people would think was unnecessary, but I thought it was necessary, especially if I want to play eight or 10 more years, eight or 10 more years, which is incredible. (laughs) We're talking into his mid forties. I don't think last year's mechanics Verlander said, even though they were very effective, were sustainable health wise over a long period of time, unquote. And Steven, you know, this is, this is what makes uh, the chief surgeon, which is of course our nickname for him. Now, this is what makes this guy so special is that he, he, he would totally rebuild his entire delivery over an off season. Well, that's right. And and that's one of the reasons he has been so consistently good over the years. And then that's the reason Nolan Ryan was so effective. And, you know, I hate to, to drop Tom Brady's name in there, but I'm just trying to think of players that, you know, are withstanding the test of time because they are always trying to make sure that not only that they stay in shape and stay healthy, but that they're trying to get ahead of the curve as far as their mechanics or avoiding injuries that, that could be, you know, potentially down the road. Obviously, Verlander saw something that, you know, caused some of the things that happened to him last year, and he's trying to do something about it. And, and just going the, – the way he goes about it is is just one of the many reasons that he has still hung in there as long as he has, and it's still effective. No other major stuff that I saw with the Astros, but I, I know you have some thoughts on the way Major League Baseball is, is doing things and, you know, we're dealing with the virus stuff. What, what, what was your uh... – what was your take? Well, let me just say, let me, let me address this. And, and this kind of got me to thinking about it when I, I think it was maybe almost a couple of weeks ago during a press conference when Dusty Baker was asked a question. I can't remember who asked the question, but it was regarding Jordan Alvarez. And they basically asked, so have you had a chance to see Jordan Alvarez in action since the team has returned? And how is his health? And Dusty Baker's response was, no, I haven't seen him. He's not with the team. Well, obviously, he just put his foot in it. It just opened up to the obvious question of, 
well, why isn't he with the team? And Dusty's response was, as you might expect, I can't talk about it. It's, you know, it's something that uh, it's a condition that uh, I forgot how he worded it, but basically is that I I can't speak to that. Well, obviously, the first thing that's going to come to mind is he must have COVID. And the fact that Major League Baseball will not allow players or teams to divulge, I I understand that because I I know what you're thinking probably. It's like, well, you, you know, they shouldn't just come out and say, well, he has COVID without the player having some say to it. I get that. But here's the problem. Justin Verlander may be pitching tonight, for instance. And when he goes out there to warm up or the team goes out to warm up and Justin Verlander's not there and you suddenly have to throw in an emergency starter. And if you don't say anything about it, there's going to be more speculation that he must have COVID because if he has some other kind of injury, you know, yeah, it took a while last year when Garrett Cole had his injury right before his start. What was it? A a groin hamstring? I I can't remember. It was one of the two, but it did come out. But with something like this, they're gonna, they're still totally mum about Jordan Alvarez and Jose Urquidy. They're they're not saying it. I don't know. Shouldn't players just go ahead and come out like Russell Westbrook did and say, "Yes, I do have it," just so people won't speculate? Because you know that's what they're going to do. I, I don't know what you do here because you know this is part of the the HIPAA rules and you know what what you can or can't say about an athlete. What I find really bizarre, Stephen, is that. We we're so concerned about the hip rules with athletes right now with the COVID stuff, but uh, we we always just come out if they've got an arm issue or there's a, you know it's a torn cartilage. Well, that's my the- point. Yeah, that's exactly my point. If you're not going to come out with that, then don't come out with any injuries at all. Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense, does it? No, and that and that's my and I'm not saying that the team should do that. I I totally understand that, but I do think that the players should probably it it should be incumbent on them probably to just come out. You know, let's just douse the speculation, douse the gossip, just say it. You don't have to bring a whole lot of details with it, but at least just come out so that people will stop talking about it. But but that's the other thing I was going to say, Robert, is, you know, if Justin Verlander is supposed to start tonight, yeah, I know the Astros aren't playing tonight. I'm just being hypothetical. But he blows out his arm or, or has another, you know, groin injury, then why don't you just be hush-hush about that and just let everybody speculate about the whole thing? And not ever come out with injuries. So, I mean, if you're going to do that with COVID, then why not just do it with everything else or just be open about it and let's move forward. Bill Belichick, that's what he does, doesn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, One of the stories that we knew would come out of sports uh, trying to get going during COVID was if they get some advantages in their testing that the general public would not, you know, is is that something that... uh, are we going to see? So I saw a story this week about how the NBA and the MLS are using a company called BioReference to get test results back in one to two days, as opposed to four to six days, which is generally how long it takes the general public to get the results. Steven, I know the immediate reaction by most is to jump on the sports leagues and let's, you know what they're, you know, they're, they don't care about the public and they're using their money to take advantage and all this blah, 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 blah. But frankly, I'm more pissed that it takes four to six days to get COVID results back when this is a life and death matter for the general public. Why is it taking this long for any company to do this? To me, it's like, forget the fact that they're getting some sort of advantage. What that tells me is we can get back these results quicker. If it's possible to get quicker results, why aren't there quicker results for everybody? This is a medical system Failure, in my opinion, 
just on a on a big macro level for from for the entire United States. Well, that's true, and and you know the other thing to consider is the wait time that people even have to get the testing. And of course, I live here in Austin, and I know you're in Houston, but you know they shut some of those facilities down because of the excessive heat, and you have people waiting outside or in their cars for hours and hours a day just to get tested. You know, that's the other issue. But, you know, maybe uh, Major League Baseball needs to go with this company, too, because as we've seen over the past week or two, uh, you know, and even the Astros were involved in that, it, it took several days for them to get test results back. So they had to shut down workouts. So even the sports leagues are, you know, aside from MLS, as you mentioned, uh, even, even Major League Baseball is having trouble with the companies that they're using to get these test results. So, yeah, that's the big thing is that not only waiting to get tested, but waiting for the results to come back and expecting people to quarantine for four to six. Or I mean, I, they're, I, I've even heard, you know, seven to 10 days for some people to take to get their response. And if you're quarantining that whole time and it comes back negative, then you've just wasted a week, a week and a half that you could have been, you know, certainly responsibly doing the things you need to do. Not to mention the fact that if you're waiting four to six days to get the results back, in the meantime, you could have the virus in that four to six days. I mean, you just don't, even if you're trying to quarantine, we've seen all sorts of weird things happen. That's why this is just, it's kind of stupid that this is the situation with just the general, I don't know, I I'm getting sort of off track here, but to me, I'm not mad at the sports leagues. I'm more mad at just our, our entire uh, system in, in general. And and like we got to talk about college sports because it's starting to look awful for them. Last week, a few stories broke within about 24 hours, and you have the Ivy League who had to cancel all of their fall sports or chose to. Ohio State shut down the voluntary workouts of all his teams uh, for a week because of multiple COVID 19 tests. The ACC eliminated games in all fall sports until at least September 1st. And the Big Ten announced that its schools will play all their fall sports within the conference. No out of conference games for them. And Stephen, as I believe you and I said early in this process, it's going to be way easier for these pro sports to deal with this mess because of the uniformity and, of course, money. And college sports is all kinds of trouble right now because both in the short term and i feel like in the long term i mean we're going to see uh these smaller programs just get devastated maybe even we might see a lot some football programs close because of the money that they're going to lose without getting these big paydays happening and out of conference well not only that but uh, just every day you're seeing new conferences or, or new programs coming out and eliminating things, you know, the Pac-12, they're only going to play a conference schedule. So they're they're falling by the wayside on a daily basis. And not only that, Robert, you're not just talking about the big revenue sports here. There are a lot of the quote unquote lower revenue sports that are going to suffer even more. In fact, some of them, you may not see them come back. Uh, I just saw the other day that there are some college programs that are eliminating sports like lacrosse and, you know, some of the others that you may not hear much about at all because they certainly don't make the kind of money that football and basketball do. So this is this is a trickle-down effect, not only for certain sports that may never come back, but as you said, there may be some smaller college programs, even in football, basketball, baseball, softball, that you may never see again. So, 
Yeah, this is a trickle-down effect. I mean, there there really isn't anything that I can think of in our society that COVID-19 hasn't touched at one point or another. I think we mentioned it last week with RG, but, you know, Sanford with 11 sports that they literally shut down. I mean, just yeah. 11. Yeah. And this is, boy, this is going to be huge for the Olympic sports and the Olympics in general because, I mean, we can pretend, Stephen, that the rest of the world has a big say in all and all everything that goes on Olympic wise, but America is such a driving force behind the Olympics. And if America can't put out the, these type of athletes in these, you know, Olympic sports, then uh, it's going to be tough for the Olympics period. I mean, they're, they're in trouble as it is because nobody wants to pay that money that they once were paying. I, I just don't see that happening anymore to, you know, build all these facilities and it, it, they're, they're just seeing that it, that was all a waste of money. So there's, a, there's all sorts of factors involved with this. And, you know, I, I love the Olympics, but there needed to be a day of reckoning. And I, I think it's coming uh, faster and faster and faster. Well, unfortunately, if, if you have to say anything that there's a silver lining with this COVID-19, it is forcing some realizations of, you know, and rethinking some philosophies. And, and I heard your interview with Gary Kubiak's son, Clay, you know, of course, with the, being the head football coach at Strike Jesuit. And one of the things that he brought up is, is something that I'm very familiar with because I do, I cover youth sports for a living. That's what I do. And he was talking about, you know, how this would affect high school sports. And, you know, for me, it's not only about high school sports. You know, think of some of the, the big cities, the big districts that have built these these stadiums that are even better than some college stadiums uh, to some degree. And how much money they've wasted with that if they're not going to be able to resume or even if they do resume, going to be minus fans completely or certainly much fewer fans. So that's something to consider. And then youth sports in general, you know, I cover a lot of travel ball sports like softball and baseball and, and basketball. You know, those types of things are being affected. And there's been a lot of criticism in youth sports of, the, you know, these kids are playing too many games, too many tournaments. They're, they're being forced into competition at 6, 8, 10, 12 years old, and they're expected to be the next, you know, LeBron James or Mike Trout or something like that, that there needs to be a total rethinking of that. So... It's affecting everything, you know, college sports, high school, the pros, youth sports, all of it. Yeah, one of the major, major districts in Houston. You talk about the interview last week with uh, Clay Kubiak. I think it was, I think, believe it was the Fort Bend district has basically suspended any extracurricular activities to start the year. And you may see more of that as time goes on. And I know, as I said, I live in Austin and we're kind of a hot spot, but you guys in Houston, you definitely are. I know that there's talk to shut down once again there and maybe even statewide. So if that happens, you may see more high school districts suddenly reverse course, just like the college sports are doing. They flat out said on in Fort Bend, no, no in-person learning to start the 2021 year. And boy, it's it's not good for my business. I, you and I both are, you know, we cover high school sports and it's, it's, it's tough. Uh, it's a little scary right now for us. Yeah, it certainly is. And I, I'm amazed, to be honest then I'm still getting work assignments with youth sports, uh, especially with what's going on. I've actually been able to, uh, I, I'm actually busier than I expected to be this week. So, you know, that's good news, but it's not good news though, when you see what's happening, uh, not just from a revenue standpoint, but just think of the opportunities that these kids have had, you know, think of the seniors in high school. I mean, at least college seniors, there was a time when they were going to get another chance because they were given an extra year of eligibility 
But think of all the seniors of high school who aren't going to get that chance. All the spring sports were canceled, so that's it. They had to graduate. They had to move on. And many of those, you know, they're, they're not going to play college sports. So unless they do it on in some form of an amateur level, that was the last opportunity they had to play sports right before the COVID shutdown. So, you know, that it's, it's such a shame that so many opportunities are being missed, uh, not just by adult athletes, but, you know, by kids who enjoy playing the sport. Stephen, didn't I say something to you about using face mask on helmets for football as a potential extra protection? You talking about the face shields? Yes. Yeah. I think we even talked about J.J. Uh, Watt saying if they're going to use face shields, he's not playing. <laughs> right. And, and, and I saw a story, you know, Oakley has invented a mouth shield for NFL players to re- reduce the spread of the virus. They worked with doctors and engineers on this. They're expected to send it out to all 32 teams. Uh, there's no mandate to wear anything like this yet, but I assume players have to be open to this. Even JJ, I mean, JJ was talking about something that they had before the d- a different type of shield. This is a re design reinvented shield that they're working on all of the things that concerned i think jj to begin with yeah and i think you know as as level-headed as jj is and i haven't seen any comments from him since the oakley story came out but i i'm sure and i'm certainly hoping that jj will at least be open to that you know you hate to even think that it might be a moot point that the NFL season may go by the wayside just like everybody else. But if if it is going to proceed, then it's good that somebody is at least trying to to make some headway. You you want players to be comfortable, obviously, and, and you want them to to be safe, though, first and foremost. And if you can do both, then by all means, go for it. Another story that, you know, through all these last few months that we've been following is uh, the Black Lives Matter stuff and how that's affecting sports and the big news uh, this past couple of days is that the Texas Longhorns, they are not getting rid of the eyes of Texas, but they've done a bunch of other things in response to the players' request with Black Lives Matter. The biggest move, naming the stadium after the legends, Earl Campbell and Ricky Williams. And Stephen, if you're going to name the stadium after Ricky Williams, don't you need to go go put some grass on the field, right? 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I I see what you I see what you did there, Robert. Um yeah, and it's good that there is dialogue because look, I'll be the first to tell you, you know, I live here in Austin and I do support the Longhorns, but they've had a long history of racial tension and and controversy on a number of not just in athletics. We're we're talking school-wide. And there were a number of student athletes that came forward uh, to the president and the, the university brass with uh, some proposed changes. And, you know, the good news is the university has listened. You know, they're, they're going to try to do more. They're, they're renaming some buildings that were named after, I think there was one professor, Robert Moore, who did not want black students in his classroom. Uh, they named a building after him. Well, it, it was a math and science building. Well, they're just going to change the name. I think they're going to call it the physics and math building or something like that. Anyway, it's a generic name. Some of the statues are being taken out. There's going to be one that's going to depict Julius uh, Whittier, Julius Whittier, Whittier. the Longhorn's first black uh, football Football letterman. Yeah, they're erecting that statue. The T.S. Painter Hall, who was named after a UT president, denied entrance, who denied entrance to Herman Sweat to the law school for Racial reasons will be renamed in Sweat's honor. Right. Uh, the, the, some of the other moves, they're, they're going to honor the first black UT graduates with a monument on the East Mall, which would be part of a larger space dedicated to 
pioneering students and faculty members. They're allocating a multi-million dollar investment from school revenue to programs that work to recruit, attract, retain, and support black students. And there's going to be programs for incoming freshmen discussing the history of, of racism on campus. So that, that's some of the stuff that you were talking about, right, Stephen? Yeah, that's exactly what I was referring to. And as I said, the good news is that at least the university listened to what what they were being told. And, you know, the, the whole thing about trying to get more black students into the university, that was a controversy that even as recently as several years ago that was brought to attention. So it's just good to see that there is not only dialogue, but that they're paying attention to that dialogue and that they actually are making some changes, some major changes. And from what I understand, the students that came forward to propose these changes, they, they are to this point are satisfied with the results. I was about to ask, have you heard anything? I mean, it's only been 24 hours, but are, are there are there people that are upset still with them not changing the eyes of Texas? I haven't heard much of that, no, and I thought I might. What I have heard is that they want to readdress, you know, what the song signifies for the university, but uh, I haven't really heard too much as far as uh, people, because that certainly was one of the sticking points, is the eyes of Texas and the origins of where the song came from in the first place and and what it means. But no, believe it or not, to, to this point, as we're recording this, I haven't heard too much about that. And it's good to see the, you know, these some, some of the symbolic stuff. But the bigger thing is, you know, when you're spending the money, like I said, there's going to be a multi-million dollar investment from the school revenue to programs that work, recruit, attract, retain, support black students. You know, you're investing it's all about green, and that's where things really get changed in, in this world, as we know. And we could talk about statues, and it's nice. It's nice to see statues changed and building names changed and stuff like that. But we've got to be honest about this. Does that change life a whole lot? I mean, it's if you're obviously, you know, we're not African American, so it's like I, I can't be the one to say, oh, you know, that that oh, that shouldn't mean anything. But obviously, it's going to, to mean something to you mentally seeing that name not there, if you know the history behind the name. But I just imagine, Stephen, that there's so many people out there that just don't know that it doesn't affect their lives. You walk by a statue or you see a name on a building and you're like, ah, I, I don't know who that is. I don't care. Neither here nor there. What, what matters to me is like what's being done on the ground when the pedal meets the road or wh however, whatever analogy you want, you want to use, that, that's the stuff that's going to matter. Exactly. And, and as I've always said, Robert, you can make all the legislation you want. You can put up whatever statue you want. You, you can make whatever decree you want or, or policy or what have you. But real change comes within a person's mind and attitude. Yes, I'm white as you are, but I, I have a disability. So I, I fight that sort of thing every day. I fight discrimination on a regular basis. And, you know, there there has been progress with that sort of thing. But there, believe me, there are still plenty of people who will dig their heels in and say, I don't care what they do. I'm not changing my mind about that. You are who you are. And and that's really where change comes. It comes within the mind. It, you have to be willing yourself individually to make that change in mindset or that change in attitude that you're not going to be prejudiced, that you're not going to be a racist. You know, I, I guess the only thing you could say is that progress is progress and it's good that it's happening. But ultimately, you know, we, we still see videos of bad things happening, whether it's in sports or everywhere else. And again, it, it comes to to me anyway. It, it's about the mindset. If, if you're not willing to change your mindset, all the legislation in the world, all the policy changing in the world, it, it's not going to matter on the whole.
unless you start changing your attitude. We didn't talk about it when we were talking about the NBA, but just out of curiosity, what are your thoughts on, you know, putting these names, the, the, not the names, I guess, or taking the names off the back of the jerseys and putting, you know, these sayings that they're that potentially putting on the back of the jerseys and the idea that, you know, Adam Silver and the league office, okay, you've got a choice of these 20 or 30 sayings that you can put up on there. Does it feel very robotic as far as a response or does it, do you feel like that is going to matter at all to anybody to see that type of stuff on the back of the Jersey? Or is it just going to annoy people? How do you feel like that's going to work? Well, I think eventually, it, if, especially if it sticks, it's, it's probably going to be one of those things that comes and goes. I, I, I will at least say that at least they're open to letting the athletes be a little more responsive to, to something, you know. But I, I think, too, some of it comes from expectation. You know, people expect public figures to say something, to do something just because of who they are. And so I wonder how much of that is, is in response to people expecting the athletes to make a statement, whether it's, you know, coming out on Twitter or Instagram or wearing something on the back of their jersey. So, you know, I, there, there could be that some of that is in response to that. I think that's all we've got. And I, I wish, you know, we, we could actually talk about games, but it's going to be really close to happening here pretty soon in the next couple of weeks because the Astros and the Rockets are both going to be starting up. Uh, you know, knock on wood, they're, they're both supposed to start up here in about two weeks. So we're, we're getting there. We're getting closer. I uh, just want to remind everybody before we close things out, we'd love to get your feedback, suggestions, questions. Uh, we need topics right now. You know, if, if there's something sports related, maybe you want us to talk about to get us off of this other stuff, we'll take it. You know, messages through Twitter, Facebook, email info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. Until we talk to you next time, stay healthy and safe, everybody. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, 